Hi there and welcome to another podcast. My name's Todd Fraser. Low volume ventilation strategies are an established part of critical care practice, but what about prolonged anaesthesia? Darshi Karalapillai is an intensivist anaesthetist from the Austin Hospital in Melbourne, Australia, and he's the lead author for the recent study which looked directly at this issue. Darshi, welcome to the podcast. Um, thanks very much for having me. It's a privilege. Darshi, what's the relationship between tidal volume and lung injury? How does it potentially cause harm? Well, um, interestingly, um, what we know with um, ventilation during major surgeries is that it is, it is very commonly associated with um, clinical respiratory complications, and the incidence um, is as high as 30% in the literature. Um, and what we do know from the critical care literature and more recently the preoperative literature is that um, mechanical ventilation is a significant contributor to this. So the, ba- the pathophysiologic basis um, is, is what we term ventilator-induced lung injury, which essentially has um, three main components, all of which are in some ways linked. Um, first, we have what's called volume trauma um, or excessive volume being missed to a, to a lung. Adelectotrauma, which is basically... Um, the cyclic opening and collapsing of a lung unit. And the third component is called biotrauma, which essentially is the, the, the physiological response of, um, of that me- mechanical me- mechanism of the lung. Um, so look, in, most simply, I think, um, tidal volume affects um, ventilator-induced lung injury uh, through this volume trauma Mechanism, which essentially is um, uh, refers to excessive stretch of of, of lung units. Um, now, this can lead to obvious um, uh, injuries, such as which leads when it leads to mechanical disruption um, or the so-called gross clinical barotrauma we see, which which um, commonly might be a pneumothorax or a pneumomediastinum or um, or subcutaneous emphysema. But what we also know is that regional overdistension of lung units. Um, without necessarily, which doesn't necessarily lead to rupture, is also harmful. And that's thought to be due to um, a local uh, inflammatory change in the lung. Um, and that's been shown quite nicely um, in some physiological studies in um, preoperative patients where they've found that uh, patients who are being ventilated with higher lung volumes have been shown to have um, an increase in their inflammatory markers um, from bronchial alveolar lavage washings. Um, this can also lead to structural changes in the lung, increase in lung inflammation, and this obviously will provide an idea for um, lung complications. Um, the second problem is called adelectotrauma, which basically is when you ventilate patients with very low lung volumes, you get cyclic opening and collapsing of lung units. And this is thought to cause um, epithelial, epithelial injury, um, hyaline membrane deposition and result in pulmonary edema. Um, and that's what's thought to be stabilised by PEEP and one of the potential problems with a very low lung volume ventilation. Um, both these things can lead to what's called biotrauma, which is, which is a little bit what I've alluded to previously, which basically, regardless of the mechanical mechanism, there's a release of biologic mediators when the lung is irritated um, in response to lung stress, and that can lead to pulmonary edema, structural changes, and as a result, uh, bacterial translocation. So um, pathophysiologically, that is the basis of how um, a ventilator, or particularly a tidal volume, 
um, may induce lung injury. Darcy, um, traditionally we've ventilated patients with somewhat supraphysiological volumes of around 10 mils per kilo in traditional anaesthetic practice, but a recent study seemed to challenge mm -hmm. that and change the paradigm, didn't it, where there was a mix of low tidal volumes, peeps, and uh, recruitment manoeuvres. Can you tell us about that study? Yeah, sure. So um, there was a, the, the, the impetus for us uh, our trial was basically um, resulted from a um, study, multi-centre center, multi center study undertaken by um, a French group, um, Future and his colleagues, which was published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2013. Um, and basically they did a multi-centre double-blinded trial of 400 patients undergoing major abdominal surgery. Um, those patients were deemed or selected uh, according to their moderate to um, increased risk of respiratory complications. And they essentially tested a bundle of care um, of, of so-called protective ventilation, which included a low tidal volume strategy of six mils per kilo ideal body weight, uh, which was used in com combination with PEEP of six to eight centimetres water and a scheduled recruitment manoeuvre, which was undertaken uh, every 30 minutes. And they compared that to a... Um, non-protective ventilation group or their control group, which um, used a tidal volume of up to 12 mils per kilo ideal body weight, uh, no PEEP and no recruitment manoeuvre. So the, um, this trial essentially um, led to, uh, they looked at findings of a primary outcome of a, of, um, a composite of major pulmonary and non-pulmonary complications and they found a remarkable reduction in incidence of major pulmonary and non-pulmonary complications um, in that protective ventilation group within seven days, um, which reduced by about three times. Um, they also found um, an isolated reduction in respiratory complications in their secondary outcomes where their, um, that was halved, respiratory complications were halved, um, and there was a reduction in need for post-operative ventilation, ventilatory support in ICU, uh, which was reduced by three times. So remarkable results, remarkable results. Joining me today is Darshi Karalapillai, author of a recent paper on low-volume ventilation strategies in prolonged anaesthesia. An in-depth review of this paper, along with a range of other great free resources, is available at our website at www.oslocommunity.com. Darshi, why was there a need for a new study? Look, so basically... Um, uh, what we found is that um, we felt that um, whilst that trial was a remarkable undertaking, uh, we felt that the study was potentially not generalisable to uh, some practice around the world, particularly in Australia. Um, and so we undertook a multi-centre audit to sort of um, see what anaesthetists in um, Australia were doing. So um, we studied about 400-odd patients um, and looked at what, how anaesthetists ventilated patients routinely. And what we found was that anaesthetists were ventilating patients at 10 mils per kilo, but they were also applying five of PEEP. And the recruitment manoeuvre was never, was never utilised as a routine measure. Um, we also had some concerns that um, um, the tidal volume used in the control group of that French study was potentially excessive. Um, and um, the absence of PEEP in the control group um, 
was another issue which we thought may have been harmful. And even more so, the use of the schedule recruitment manoeuvre also may have confounded um, uh, the result. So um, we felt that the control group of that trial was potentially toxic and may have um, and may have um, influenced the result in favour of low tidal volume ventilation or the so-called protective ventilation group. So in response to that, we sort of felt that it would be a very um, interesting trial to um, compare uh, a change in the tidal volume um, in isolation with no difference in PEEP and with no difference in the presence of recruitment or mover or not versus a control group which essentially reflected um, current Australian practice in regards to the tidal volume set. Darshi, um, tell us about the trial that you ran. Um, so we undertook a, um, a, a single centre uh, randomised control trial um, and our research question was essentially, does intraoperative low tidal volume ventilation compared with conventional tidal volume ventilation decrease postoperative pulmonary complications in patients undergoing major surgery? And this trial was um, single centre in nature. It was blinded, um, assessor-blinded, um, and we had a study group of six muscular ideal body weight in combination with uh, five centimetres of water of PEEP versus a control group which reflected current Australian practice um, of 10 mils per kilo ideal body weight and a PEEP of five centimetres of water. Um, we included patients who were um, over 40 years of age um, uh, who were having major surgery with an expected duration of more than two hours. And, and we, chose that, um, we chose that threshold just to show um, significant um, exposure to our intervention. And... The third inclusion criteria was the patient was was um, was going to have an arterial line inserted as part of their routine care, and essentially that was again included just to um, uh, um, indicate a greater um, perioperative risk of patient. Um, we excluded patients who were having intracranial neurosurgery because um, they. Um, we thought potentially with a low tidal volume ventilation and the resultant hypercapnia that um, uh, that would exacerbate perhaps um, any intracranial hypertension. Uh, we excluded patients who were having cardiac surgery due to the need for cardiac pulmonary bypass and uh, a prolonged period during the case where um, the patient wouldn't be exposed to our intervention. We also excluded thoracic surgery um, because of the need for one lung ventilation and we thought that would confound our results. And we excluded being a liver transplant centre here at the Austin. Um, we excluded patients undergoing liver transplantation due to concerns with potential that some of them may have had portopulmonary hypertension and therefore a higher carbon dioxide level may exacerbate that. Uh, we excluded pregnant patients, um, which is common for large randomised trials. And we also excluded patients that were going to have nitrous oxide used um, as part of their routine care um, because we felt that would be an additional confounder given the, the associated routine use of nitrous oxide and respiratory complications. During the, during the trial, the only, um, the only intervention we actually um, instituted, as I mentioned, was a difference in tidal volume. That was the only, uh, only um, uh, intervention we 
pre-specified and the PEEP setting of five uh, being equivalent starting point for both groups. Um, otherwise, the anaesthetists involved um, coordinated the care of the patient. Um, during the case, we um, took three arterial blood gases, one in the early maintenance phase of anaesthesia, one in the late maintenance phase of anaesthesia, and one in the post-operative care unit in recovery, and we analysed those results. Um, we looked at uh, outcomes. Our primary outcome was a composite respiratory complication um, within seven days of a number of um, uh, common uh, post-operative pulmonary complications such as atelectasis, respiratory failure, pneumothorax, pneumonia. Um, and we deliberately chose um, the same composite respiratory complication composite that had been used in other studies previously. We also had 13 secondary outcomes which looked at non-respiratory complications um, similar to what the French trial did. And we analysed some subgroups um, uh, we looked at abdominal versus non-abdominal surgery, open versus laparoscopic surgery, obese versus non-obese patients, and patients who were deemed at moderate to high risk of respiratory complications and versus those with low respiratory complications. Dasha, one of the problems or challenges, at least, with these types of trials is ensuring that the two groups don't merge together over time because of an awareness of the study uh, in the control arm and uh, tendency to fall back to, to habit. Um, how confident are you that you've achieved separation between the groups? Um, we're very confident. Um, so basically, in our results, um, we compared, strictly speaking, a tidal volume of 6.3 mils per kilo in the low tidal volume ventilation group versus a conventional tidal volume group, which received 9.7 mils per kilo. So essentially almost bang on or smack on um, what we had hoped to achieve. And in, in real numbers, we compared a tidal volume of 396 mils versus, uh, on average versus a tidal volume of 611 mils. And the peak um, was identical between the groups in the results also. We also know we achieved it indirectly um, in that in the, in the results, in, our, in the analysis of the intraoperative characteristics of our patients, we found that the patients with, um, with in the low tidal volume ventilation group were ventilated at a higher respiratory rate, um, had a higher arterial CO2 both in the early and late maintenance phase of the procedure and a lower pH. That all suggests that one group was ventilated less than the other group. So what was the result of your trial? So what we found is that... Um, um, for our primary outcome, which is the composite of respiratory complications within seven days of surgery, we found that the incidence of um, respiratory complications in our cohort overall was about um, was about 38, 38%. Um, and there was no difference between the group that received low tidal volume ventilation versus the group that received conventional tidal volume ventilation in that composite respiratory com um, outcome. Um, there was also no difference in any of the primary components of our, of the principal outcome. So, for instance, there was no difference in atelectasis, respiratory failure, pleural effusion, pneumonia, and any of the others. And similarly, with our secondary outcomes, we found no difference in constant respiratory complications during the patient's hospital stay and no difference in any other non-respiratory complications such as um, acute kidney injury, um, need for ICU admission, uh, the length of stay in hospital, or the in-hospital mortality. 
So these are quite compelling results, Darshi. So when you sit back and you look at this and you compare it against the backdrop of research that's already been performed, how do you rationalise that? Why is your study so starkly different from the findings of the French study and other studies in this area? So I guess, look, um, it's, um, I think our study um, has prov- provided a very interesting result. I think it has um, shown that... Um, an isolated change in tidal volume does not affect respiratory complications, as shown um, um, clearly in our trial. Now, why it's different to the French study is um, is, um, is an area which is of interest. Um, and all we could say is that um, in the French study, the component which was the, if that study was, um, as we believe, correct, the component which... Um, was the reason for the difference in outcome in their study compared to ours was not the tidal volume, was not the tidal volume. So what we've also think is interesting also is that traditionally anaesthetists have used a very high tidal volume in the past and, 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 and that actually interestingly does reflect our current practice. So that 10 mil per kilo is, is still what people are doing. So, and the, the the reason for that is it was thought that would the excessive um, lung volume causes, you know, um, recruitment and reduction in atelectasis and hypoxia, and that's based on a that's based on a case series um, um, from 1963. Um, so what we have actually shown is that this superphysic. We've also shown that a superphysiologic tidal volume is also um, um, not required either. Um, given that it's equivalent to a physiological tidal volume of six mils per kilo. What do you think the impact of the addition of PEEP is in the differences between the trials, Darshi? So, look, I think um, looking at it pathophysiologically, I think um, one of the components of enter-induced lung injury is is this so-called adelector trauma, which I mentioned before, which um, which is basically this cyclic um opening and then collapsing of a lung unit with tidal ventilation. And I think when you ventilate with a a patient with a low tidal volume, I think that there's potential for that to be an issue. And But I think that um, most importantly, I think the role of PEEP in stabilising the alveolus um, and preventing collapse um, in the expiratory phase is an important key difference um, in the trials. So what comes next? What's the next step in unravelling all of these issues to, to uh, provide some evidence for the best uh, practice in ventilating patients for a prolonged period? So I think we've answered our research question clearly for, for a large group of surgical patients. In our trial, um, there was one particular group of patients who um, there was a signal to improve outcome in um, in the low tidal volume ventilation group, and that was patients who were having major laparoscopic abdominal surgery, um, where the which again favoured low tidal volume ventilation. I think the p value was 0.07. So that just suggests that there that there may be this group that may require some further investigation to see whether differences in um, tidal volume in in those patients um, would be potentially beneficial. 
Dashi, we were talking prior to the interview about uh, the fact that this journey started for you in 2014. Describe the feeling when this was finally published in a major journal. So, look, I guess um, um, it was a, it was a it was a great a great achievement for our for our group. I mean, um, uh, we started this study in 2014, and I had a number of co-authors. Um, all who worked very hard on the project in the initial phase, we were responsible for um, a large amount of the recruiting and um, was and you know very grateful to my co-authors for their assistance. Um, you know, we also um, received funding from ANSCA, a quite a significant grant from ANSCA to undertake the study um, after the pilot phase. Um, so. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a lot weighing on it. If that makes sense, um, you know, a lot of effort from my colleagues that we wanted um, a good result for, and um, similarly, when you when you receive a grant from uh, you know a college body, you want to make sure you deliver a good project. So, um, you know, I guess um, for us at the Austin um, to get a anesthesia preoperative medicine. Um, study into a major journal like JAMA, we just were very, um, we're, we're really pleased, um, and it was a great result for for us as a as a group and as a department. Dashi, congratulations on that achievement, and thanks for joining us on the podcast to talk about your work. It's a pleasure. Thanks very much for having me, and um, I appreciate the interest in our trial. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. For more great interviews just like this, visit our website at www.oslocommunity.com.